Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts, and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values, and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's show. We are continuing our series looking at sustainability um, on this episode and I'm joined by Fiona Graham who uh, you may know from previous episodes uh, where Fiona has come on and spoken to us. This week we're looking at the role the IFB is playing in helping drive family businesses forward in their sustainability efforts through events, through policy, lobbying and things like that. We also have a very important update from Fiona on a government consultation that is taking place here in the UK. And so I recommend that we cover it fairly early in the interview, uh, but I recommend that you um, check out what that would involve as it may well impact your business and get in touch with Fiona at the IFB uh, if you've got any views or comments you want to make on that. Last week we spoke to Andrew Bryson from FBNI and we discussed what FBN International and the UN are doing together in order to help family businesses in particular to embrace sustainability and get started on implementing sustainable policies within your own business and this show continues that discussion but from a UK perspective obviously this is an international podcast so don't be put off that it's got a UK focus because what we cover is relevant for everybody that will be listening to this so I hope you enjoy the conversation once again just want to say a massive thank you to those that are supporting the show those of you that have bought me a coffee via buy me a coffee the link to that is at the main podcast website which is fanbizpodcast.com if you click on the link there that says support the show you can make a one-off donation to buy me a coffee or you can follow a link to leave a review on iTunes and there's other ways there that you can support the show if you would like to. So let's pass over to this week's interview with Fiona. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello, welcome to this week's show. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Fiona Graham this week. Uh, For regular listeners of the show, you will know Fiona from her role as the External Affairs and Policy Director at the Institute for Family Business. Um, For those that haven't met Fiona yet, um, I will ask uh, you to introduce yourself, Fiona. So firstly, welcome to the show. And uh, secondly, uh, give those guys in the audience who might not have uh, heard our previous episodes uh, a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Russ. Um, So yeah, hi, everybody. Um, I am Fiona Graham. I am the Director of External Affairs and Policy at the Institute for Family Business, or the IFB, as we 
refer to ourselves normally. Uh, we are a membership body for family-owned businesses in the UK. We're the UK chapter of the International FBN Network. And we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. So we were founded as a place for a group of business owners to come together and talk about those kind of common challenges that you have explored so extensively in your podcast uh, and gave them a space to talk to each other in a very open and frank forum and uh, gain some insights on other people's experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly. And from there, we developed into a kind of a fully fledged membership organization with more formal learning and events um, and advice. And then along the way, we also started to uh, represent the sector uh, um, in government and to lobby on their behalf. Family businesses are a huge part of the UK economy. They're the backbone of the UK economy in many ways. There are about 5 million family firms in the UK. They employ about 14 million people. And so it's really important for these businesses that make this huge contribution, but also operate in a different way to others to have a voice as policy is developed. And because many of the issues that affect family businesses are different to other kinds of businesses. So, for example, you know, there aren't many businesses um, out there that aren't family businesses that have lots of discussions about inheritance tax. But for us, that's a really big part of what we do and we lobby on. Um, And so that part of our work has really um, grown over the past few years. And that's what I head up. So we're constantly out there banging the drum, raising the profile of family businesses with policymakers and politicians, but also getting involved in the detailed discussions about policy as it develops. Uh So as a membership organisation, we're still very much doing the stuff that we were founded on, which is that bringing families together to have an opportunity to talk to each other about their challenges Um, providing learning and events and we had our conference at the beginning of June which was very successful it was all online this year obviously Um, but it was it was a great day and so we're really committed to that connecting families helping them on their journey and then also representing the sector and making sure they have a strong voice and I know one of the um, areas that you've been very busy with recently is in relation to the proposals from government about reforms to corporate governance. Um, I know we're here to talk about sustainability, but there are links obviously between uh, that and the the governance side of things. So could you just give us a a bit of an update on what that is and uh, what our listeners perhaps need to be aware of there? Yeah, so the government in uh, towards the end of March published their white paper um, on restoring trust in audit and corporate governance. And you might have seen coverage about this in relation to what it means to auditors and the future of the big four. It's the result of three different reviews um, and their proposals uh, and recommendations have kind of formed into this enormous white paper. It's about 260 pages and there are about 100 consultation questions. It's quite it's quite beefy, even by um, government standards. And it's looking at whether there should be reforms in the audit market and what they should look like. So there's been many years of discussion about should there be compulsory managed shared audits for firms, for companies of certain sizes? What can they do to in 
uh, improve competition in the audit market. But there's also a very significant proposal for private companies, of which you know most family businesses are private companies, which is around extending um, the, the public interest entity status to large private companies. And the government's consulting on two different threshold definitions for um, the kinds of businesses that would be brought into that status. So one of the options is businesses with over 2,000 employees would be listed as public interest entities. Um, and the other is for businesses with over 500 employees and 500 million turnover. Mm-hmm. And we are very actively involved in that consultation and have been talking to the department, to the officials. And I had a meeting with one of the ministers yesterday to talk about it. Um, and we're very concerned about what those proposals mean for private companies. Becoming a public interest entity um, imposes a huge amount of extra regulation and burden um, and compliance on businesses, as well as additional reporting. And we've got real concerns about this proposal that essentially brings private or would bring private companies into a regime that was built with listed companies in mind, not with private companies. And the kinds of information that you need from a private company are maybe different uh, for their different stakeholders. And private companies have a very different relationship with their shareholders with their suppliers, with their employees. Mm-hmm. And actually, we don't think that this is necessary. This is the right approach to improve corporate governance and reporting within these businesses. And we're hoping that the government is, ha- is going to be up for having a conversation about actually, you know, what do we need from those businesses and how, and how can we get it in the best way without just putting them into this regime? Mm-hmm. Um, we also were very actively involved in the weights principles and the development of that, which is a corporate governance uh, set of principles for private companies. And we're really keen to see those bed in more. They were only re- they were only published in December 2018. We're only just really starting to see reporting um, against those principles. And so it's really important. We, we think that there's more time for that to bed in and for us to examine how that is changing behaviour, improving governance, um, rather than rather than this rush to um, include private companies in the public interest entity um, mm. uh, regime. So it's, it's a very big and kind of meaty topic. Um, and there's a lot of detail in there about what it might mean for businesses. I'd strongly encourage anybody who's interested to get in touch because I'm very happy to have a conversation. And also, we're also really encouraging businesses to respond directly to the consultation, which closes on the 8th of July. Um, I'm hopefully we can share the link to the consultation in the in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, but I think that you know it's it's really important for private companies to um, make their voices heard on this issue because once private companies are in the PI regime, you know, they will be subject to any changes that are made to uh, to public interest entities. And so it's really important to make sure that we get things right at the start um, and uh, don't just kind of let, let this happen and um, not engage in the topic. So um, I strongly encourage businesses to kind of get involved and, um, and to uh, respond, you know, if they can. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, we will definitely link that up in the show notes for anyone that's uh, interested there. You mentioned as well the conference 
that we had last week. I was fortunate enough to come along. It was, I can echo, it was a great day. Lots of really interesting conversations and sessions on uh, multiple different things. But again, one of the recurring themes, part of the reason we're looking at a series on sustainability now is it seems to be very high on everyone's agenda in terms of not just the practical elements of of taking on sustainability, but also talking about it and sharing stories and and ideas. Um, So that was a theme that was recurring throughout the, the conference as well. And presumably, is that something that you're hearing from your members as well, that it's something that is of high on their agenda? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is 2021 is kind of the year of climate action and uh, net zero in the UK. We've had the G7 um, just very recently. We've got COP26 in Glasgow in November. This is the year when the UK is really focusing on this. And I think it has been a phenomenally difficult and busy year or 18 months for businesses with the pandemic. But what has been really interesting for me as somebody who's talking to family businesses every day is how many of them are still really focused on those long-term challenges. And I think that is the benefit of family businesses. They know, This pandemic is incredibly difficult, but they also know that those problems aren't going away and they are the people that are going to have to deal with them and face them. And so they are still thinking about how they are adapting their business, how it is going to become more sustainable. And I think that's really inspiring to see just how much time and effort people are putting at a time when they don't have much time and they are, you know, there's a lot of other things pulling them in all different directions. So I think that that is really important that um, to kind of recognize how many businesses are still really committed to this journey and are spending a lot of time thinking about it. We're also hearing some great case studies and examples of what people are doing. And I think, um, you know, in, in, this, in this series that you're doing on sustainability, I know you've got some great interviews lined up with some people who are doing some really phenomenal things. And I think that's really important to share those stories because we know how important it is to learn from other business leaders and other businesses about what they're doing. I think one of the areas that I'm really interested in at the moment is around how we are going to successfully retrofit and improve. You know, if you have a traditional, if you have a site that you've been on for 100 years, how are you going to um, make that uh, kind of more sustainable? Because I think it's there's a lot of coverage about businesses, about opening a new campus somewhere and it being beautifully designed to uh-huh. deal with these problems. And actually... Well, how are how are traditional and and long term businesses that are staying in the same site and want to be there because that is you know the place that they were founded and and intend to be for generations to come because that is their community. How are we helping those businesses to make improvements? I think is a really big issue and something mm-hmm. I'm quite interested in. Yeah, I agree. And one of the other things you mentioned there in terms of the the fact that that we're still recording this against a backdrop of the global pandemic. Um, if there are good things to have, have come out of the kind of horrendous 
14, 15 months that we've seen is actually the impact of human behavior on things like the environment. Because there was lots of um, reports during the first lockdowns of emissions and the fact that we weren't able to get out in our cars and commute as much as we would normally do had such a quick positive impact on our environment. Actually, it probably showed us and highlighted we don't have to make huge changes in order to have a positive impact. And I think sometimes when conversations are held around sustainability, is it because it's such a big topic, because it's such a broad area, is it can be quite intimidating to actually go, well, we're going to start here or we're going to look at it this way. Um, what sort of things are out there for IFB members or for, for anyone that's listening really in terms of um, ways in which to get started and to start putting this perhaps um, on the action list rather than the talk about list? Um, you're ap- I mean, you are absolutely right. It can feel overwhelming. Um, it's such a big topic. And it's also incredibly, there's a lot of information and a lot of it is very technical and can be quite complicated. So one of the things we're trying to do is help businesses to navigate that. There are toolkits available. There are uh, resources available. So our colleagues at um FBN, the international network, have been working with the UN, um, with UNCTAD to produce. Um, they have a sustainability pledge, which I know that you have uh, spoken to them about. Um, they also are producing advice and guidance to support businesses on their journey on how you measure your impact. You know, the measurement is really key because then you know when you have actually kind of met, managed to make progress. I think that's really important getting that measurement right. Um, so that is incredibly, incredibly important. I think well, one of the things that we are trying to do is translate um, some of the kind of information that's out there to make it much more accessible for businesses, because a lot of it is, as I said, very complicated. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about scope one, two and three carbon emissions. Well, what does that actually mean in practice? What, how do I do something about those things? I mean, I can explain what scope one, two and three carbon emissions are just now for anybody listening, because it is it is an important thing to think about. I think so. scope one um, emissions are those that are direct emissions from, you know, your owned and controlled sources. So it's your company vehicles, like the fuel combustion of through your own processes. And then there's scope two, which is um, energy from uh, indirect emissions um, from the generation of purchased energy consumed. So it's, you know, if you buy in electricity, if you buy in heat, that kind of stuff, that is um, those scope two emissions. And then there's scope three, which is all the other indirect emissions. So it's the things within your uh, purchase goods and services, your business travel, you know, what you do with potential waste. Um, and if you make investments as well, uh, how is that having an impact on uh, your kind of your business's overall impact on the environment? So I think that it, it's useful to to learn about those that that uh, scope one, two, three, I think, because it does actually help you th- realize okay these are the things that we should be looking at and thinking about because i think there's a lot of focus on energy generation and electrical vehicles but there's a lot of other things uh in in the middle that we also need to talk about so um so yeah i think that there is a lot to do uh-huh. and uh, and 
and part of our commitment is not only to encourage businesses to sign up for things like the UNCTAD pledge, but also to help businesses through case studies so that they can be inspired and learn what other people have done and, and connect them with each other to talk about it, but also to try and translate and make it as easy as possible to uh, get the information you need to make the changes that you need to make. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, I've got um, interviews lined up with businesses that have taken on various um, degrees of, of um, sustainability or, or changes to their processes to, to encourage the sustainability side of things. Um, but you mentioned about the measuring um, side of, of the equation and that measuring it is probably the first step. And again, I think there can be some reluctance that, you know, if I, if I start to measure it, maybe I'm being more of a pollutant than I thought, or maybe we've got a bigger challenge um, than perhaps we thought. But measuring it doesn't change the fact that that's the case anyway, does it? It's, it's you know, you're not going to magically uh, emit less or have few, fewer emissions as a result of not measuring things. So I think because of fronting up and saying, we're going to tackle this and we're going to use the tools and the pledge. And as you say, we spoke to um, Andrew Bryson in last week's show about the UNCTAD and, and FBN um, initiatives. And there is information out there. There are tools out there and there's the sustainability measures that FBN have created as a starting point. One of the other things that you mentioned that I think is really important is businesses sharing stories about how things have been done. And you and I attended an all-party um, parliamentary group on family business. And again, within that, there were discussions around sustainability and how there were two businesses that were talking about what they were each doing. And presumably that's something else that's replicated within your membership as well is that it is a place where you can come and go, hold your hand up and go, actually, I need some help with this. Who's done it? Who can you put me in touch with? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so, it's, it's very inspiring to hear from other businesses. Sometimes some businesses in the most difficult to tackle kind of industries in terms of sustainability are some of the ones really doing a lot of the thinking and the investment. And so, you can feel well if they can do it we you know we we can but I think it's it's important to like have that opportunity to talk to other people as well and also to get that reassurance I think one of the messages that's come out um from quite a lot of the sustainability discussions is don't be put off because you don't think you can get it perfect immediately if we all take steps in the right direction it will make an impact and if you tackle it bit by bit you will get you will be going in the right direction and you will get there eventually and I think that we should encourage businesses to talk about the steps that they're taking not just the end result because it is very very difficult to do this to, to become net zero I it's 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 possible it's absolutely possible we've seen businesses now that are you know carbon negative uh because they've they've really committed to it but i really want to encourage businesses that are taking those first couple of steps and to say that is the key thing is to start the journey and actually you know nobody expects you to be it to be 
you know, net zero overnight. That's not realistic. But by taking that first step, you've made that commitment. And by making that commitment and making everybody aware within the business that this is something we are doing, we are, this is the journey we're taking. I also think that that is a really important part of what businesses can be doing is talking to their employees and to their supply chains about the steps that they're taking. Because all it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you say, tell somebody you're going to stop smoking, <laughs> you're more likely to do it because you've told somebody about it and you feel you have to go through with it. Now, obviously, I know that businesses want to become net zero for all the right reasons as well. But there is that point, part that if you start talking about it, people will ask you questions about it. And also, if you're working with other businesses in your supply chain, if you're telling other businesses in your supply chain about it, you will hopefully inspire and encourage them to do more as well. Oh. And you will maybe be able to kind of talk to them about the steps that you've taken so I think that there's a lot of there are there are lots of toolkits and and things available but I think that that power of that peer network and that is what family businesses are so good at they are so good at sharing their experiences and talking to each other in a really open way Mm. that that's got to be an absolute kind of um you know crucial part of getting more family businesses on that path to net zero yeah and because it is now firmly sort of on the agenda of it seems everybody I mean I, I haven't quite been stopped in the street and and asked to talk about sustainability but but I, I think it is pretty high on everyone's agenda it becomes something that is a competitive advantage as well if we're looking at ways of perhaps reinventing businesses diversifying businesses looking at alternative ways um, to um, approach markets as we emerge from from the covid pandemic actually looking at that through the lens of sustainability is likely to provide a competitive advantage to those businesses that are saying, well, actually, we'll keep that as far down the agenda as we possibly can. And I think that's one of the really interesting things to have come out of the pandemic is how many businesses I've spoken to who said, this has made us talk about issues that we previously thought were off the table you know maybe certain family members were very committed to a part of the business which they knew maybe wasn't sustainable sustainable economically or environmentally in the long term and now we're having a conversation about that we didn't want to diversify particularly because people felt it was a risk but now we're going to have that conversation because we've realized if we were had been more diversified it would have been helpful during the pandemic it's really kind of opened up I think for a lot of people conversations that previously wouldn't have happened and I think this is sustainability conversation is part of that because we've seen this massive global shock through the pandemic and climate change is if if it doesn't you know if we don't do something it will be a much much bigger shock and so I think people are really kind of opening up to conversations that maybe two years ago three years ago maybe there would have been more reluctance to have so that's you know that is an encouraging an encouraging part of this absolutely and there was a report i think either this week or um late last week on how unprepared we are as a nation to deal with um climate change and the impact um, of that and so the longer term multi-generational viewpoint that families take should be um, I don't want to say easier because I'm not suggesting this is this is easy by any stretch, but it, it makes more sense to align the longer term strategic goals of the family 
to include the sustainability side because they're running over timeframes that family businesses tend to talk in rather than, you know, this quarter, next quarter, and then we'll see what ha- what's happening. We're talking about multiple generations. So um, they're, they're, they sit alongside each other nicely from that perspective. And at the conference last week, one of the things that has really stuck with me was the idea that you should run all the decisions in your business through the lens of are we going to be good ancestors uh-huh. will will doing this will you know whether that is sustainability or how you treat your employees or whatever it might be if you run everything through that mindset of are we good ancestors it shifts how you think and the things that you think are important and need your time right now and i i think that that really resonated with a lot of people and 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 yeah that is that is the advantage that family businesses have yeah. they can do that in a way that other businesses just don't have the the capacity or the structure to do yeah and i i, I remember that phrase um, from conference as well and i think irrespective of the fact that it was virtual there was it that felt like a moment in in the conference where you could kind of tell that it really resonated with an awful lot of people that were, mm. were in that audience around the fact of are we being good ancestors? And I've seen it a couple of times since in terms of sort of pledges and public um, things that people have been doing as well. So um, that's a really good, as you say, lens to, to look at this um, through. Um, you mentioned earlier the, the role that the IF plays in being the voice of family business um the the sector here in the uk and the fact that you lobby government as part of uh, what you do for family businesses what conversations are you having with them around sustainability because presumably it's something that they're very keen to um see happen as well it's you know there's not many losers out of um you know sustainability being adopted so what sort of conversations are you having with government on this particular topic it's i mean it is a huge topic for the government um it's something that we know the prime minister is personally very interested in um the chancellor has been speaking about it this week um they are obviously all gearing up for cop 26 i think that is going to be a really significant moment um in the uk and what we see around government support for green investments later in the year is going to be really really interesting um i think this this really ties into the broader build back better agenda and the covid recovery and i think that a lot of people see this as a real opportunity um, to shift how we do business in the uk and what the business environment looks like and for us it's really important that family businesses are at the heart of that conversation, not only on the environmental sustainability side, but also on the economic sustainability. Family businesses are incredibly resilient. And my goodness, we've seen that put to the test over the past 18 months. Um, But they are also those businesses that are at the hearts of communities across the country. And they really tie into that levelling up agenda. So when we see the levelling up white paper, Um, coming through from the government soon it's going to be really important that family businesses have a really strong voice in that as well because this is about there was a lot of talk sort of seven eight years ago about rebalancing the UK economy and I think this is an opportunity and everybody in government sees this as an opportunity to kind of really 
crack that rebalancing nut away from short-termism, away from just a focus on the Southeast towards a genuinely national, as in across the nations, um, all four of them, uh, growth strategy that supports genuine long-term investment. And that's where family businesses are key because they embody long-term investment and patient capital. Um, And it is about delivering benefits for everybody And I think that as good employers, as, you know, responsible members of their community, as people tackling sustainable growth, family businesses really should be the core of our recovery plans. So we're talking to the government about how you empower family businesses to do all the stuff they, a lot of the stuff that they already want to do. This isn't about convincing family businesses that they need to grow or that they should be looking at how they can create jobs or grow in a green way. Families want to do that. Our our job and the government's job is to make sure that the regime is in place to enable them to do that. There are issues to do with access to finance for family businesses because the way they borrow is different and their attitude to debt and, and things like that. And this is about supporting local business structure, you know, business support structures to make sure that people are getting the support and advice they need where they need it. This is about helping more businesses to export. And it's about helping businesses with that investment um, in those green um, projects. So, you know, what can we be doing around um, investment and tax incentives to help businesses bring forward some of those things they maybe already have planned, but make sure they get up and running as quickly as possible? Because I think that is really important. It's how can we use the tax system to incentivize investment as in these green projects is going to be a really interesting one. Yeah, and um, I certainly think we're going to see um, more and more being spoken about on that, particularly, as you say, with COP26 coming uh, later this year. Um, A couple of things that you mentioned there that I think um, are worth uh, reiterating as well is in terms of business decisions often come with an element of risk to them. Do we go that way? Do we go this way? Um, What are the pros and cons of that? And sometimes in public companies where they're accountable to uh, anonymous shareholders on an ongoing quarterly basis, the, the appetite for taking that risk can sometimes be lower because they you know, you don't want to be the chief exec that makes one de- wrong decision and, and that's it, you, you're off. Um, but in terms of the longer term view, the patient capital view that family businesses tend to take, making decisions now to focus on net zero, to focus on sustainability as a core agenda for, for what the family business wants to achieve. You're in an environment that lends itself to the fact that it might you know, it might take a little bit longer than expected, or it might have some unintended consequences here that you didn't ne- necessarily think of. But family businesses are really well positioned to take advantage of all the information and the uh, um, ways in which to approach this, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And they're all, they're incredibly agile as well. I mean, we've seen this so many times, the way that family businesses are able to reposition themselves. Because, as you say, the relationship with the shareholders um, you know, with the family is so different that you don't have these, you can act quicker if you need to. And we've also seen, you know, family businesses are absolute experts at generational transformation. Businesses, 
so many that we know of and that are in our membership, but also that we talk to are have started in one industry have seen that you know the world is changing and have over a generation transformed and and changed into a completely different place and so family businesses have that expertise and know what it's like to go through seriously major changes and that could be going from you know some of the businesses that we that we talk to have been through three or four different industries as things have adapted and changed and the family's uh, viewpoint has changed and and the world has moved around them and actually so there's a lot about long-term kind of transformation that other businesses should be learning from families because it is a very difficult thing to do and you have to have that long-term mindset to be able to realize that this is a project that's going to take 20 or 30 years so let's use that knowledge of family businesses and the generational transformation actually to help educate other businesses on how they are going to be able to tackle this because for a lot of businesses they are going to have to potentially move completely out of an industry that they were in it might not exist anymore but there are also lots of new industries that are going to pop up and actually let's try and get as many businesses um reaping the rewards of that as well completely agree and as we know family businesses come in all shapes and sizes and a lot of the kind of news around what you're saying about the the reforms to audit and corporate governance and some of the other uh, reforms that uh, we hear about in the press seem to be focused at larger businesses. But because family businesses come in all shapes and sizes, what sort of um, initiatives are there for helping smaller businesses to embrace sustainability? And um, what what are the government doing in um, that area as well? So I think there is always a challenge uh, with small businesses, particularly around the communication, how you get the information to them that they need in the form that they need it. If you are running a small business, you have so many other, you have so many things in your agenda. You are incredibly time poor and you don't have time to go and search through all different potential avenues for information and this is something that comes up a lot in our conversations with government about that communication about business support with small businesses the government recently um, has actually launched a campaign called together for our planet um, which is part of it is aimed at small businesses particularly and they have launched the uk business climate hub which includes specific information for SMEs and there you find all sorts of information and resources specifically designed for small businesses and they are bringing in and kind of collating and curating information from all sorts of experts so there's a lot of information from B-Lab and B-Corp there which we know is of interest to lots of family businesses Um, so for the for the UK Climate Hub and the Together for Our Planet campaign The first step that the government is asking the small businesses to take is to make a commitment to halve their carbon emissions by 2030 and then to reach net zero by 2050. And then so you can do that on the website, you can sign up, you can make that commitment. And then once you do that, they will provide you with support and tools for 
helping you to understand your emissions, which we've already said is can be quite a challenge on where do you start with things like that? How do you tackle them? They'll talk to you about how you can share what you're doing with your customers and your community. They'll give you practical advice on kind of what this means for your business strategy. There's a whole heap of stuff there. Now, you don't have to sign the commitment to be able to access the tools and the resources. There's a lot of information there without doing it. But I think the idea, again, is that if you sign the commitment and you are getting those regular prompts and that regular update, hopefully it will help you to keep the momentum going in that journey. So I definitely would recommend that people check that out because there are there's a huge amount of information there and it's it's quite well structured and it's quite easy to navigate. Um, and there's there's just a lot there and it is specifically designed for small businesses. So it mm-hmm. understands that you don't have a huge amount of time probably and you don't have a huge amount of resources. And it is about helping small businesses to um, make the biggest impact that they can as quickly as possible so it is about for for many small businesses if you if you are predominantly running your business from for example your you know a house or uh you aren't involved in a complex manufacturing process particularly if you're a services business then it's about well do you need to change your energy provider are you getting renewable energy um could you change to an electric car if you're driving around to see lots of your clients so it's about those hopefully achievable and easy steps but that will have a significant impact on your ability to work and again you mentioned um there around the fact that by signing up for the pledge you get um sort of the reminders and the, the prompts and, and hints to help you and very often there can be a really good intention from um all business owners but in particularly with we're talking about smaller business owners here it's having that element of accountability to it as well is that you, you if it's just you and a small staff or you and, and a few other family members it, it can be something where you go well, well yeah we'll do it but again we don't really know how to keep accountable to it we don't know how to measure it and mark progress and this hub helps you to kind of alleviate um, a lot of those challenges and other things come up you know, you have other things that you need to deal with and this slides down the priority list and then it suddenly feels very difficult to get back into it and get keep back up, um, get back into the loop. And what was I going to do with that? Where was I? Had I made that progress that I needed to make? So it's about keeping that momentum and keeping things going because otherwise it can slide to the bottom of your list and, uh, and become almost too difficult to restart. We've mentioned this a uh, couple of times during the show already cop 26 uh, is coming up later this year in glasgow we've just had as you mentioned earlier the g7 meeting in cornwall where the pictures that got sent out to the world of beautiful cornwall looking beautiful um will have uh, shown that the, the sun was shining there i'm not sure about glasgow later in the year whether the sun will be shining there um but just, just for those listening who might not know what cop 26 is could you just give a very kind of brief overview of what that is uh and what role can family businesses play in tackling climate change so cop 26 is a is an international uh kind of gathering um and summit of uh leaders and um experts from around the world who will come together and seek to kind of promote actions that are being taken, encourage more action, address some kind of international barriers and and, uh, issues um, around the whole climate change agenda. Um, 
It's being hosted by the UK um, in Glasgow, as you said. There's going to be a sort of a pavilion style uh, area where businesses um, are going to be exhibiting some of the things that they're doing. So hopefully we will see some family businesses represented there as well. Um, and it's going to really, I mean, for the UK, it's going to be a big push to educating Every, I mean, not just businesses. Let's remember that everybody who's involved in a business also has a personal life where they could mm-hmm. be making decisions about their own, uh, about their own carbon footprint. So it's really going to, I think, for the UK, it's going to be a big focus on what we do now. I, I am expecting the government to make significant announcements about not only our intentions, and we've seen updates on the UK's kind of intentions around our own national carbon strategies and things already this year but we're expecting to see more support for green investments um, and a more ambitious program from the from the government um, in terms of how businesses can get involved I expect that a lot of businesses will be talking about their sustainability journey and what they are doing to tie in with that Um, And I would encourage you to do that. Family businesses have a real strength that they are incredibly authentic. And there has been over the years quite a lot of cynicism about greenwashing um, and whether businesses are living up to all of the statements that they're making. I think this is where family businesses, again, have a real advantage. We know how authentic family businesses are. We know when they say things, they mean them. Um, so I think there's a, a huge advantage there around if you are dealing with consumers to promote your sustainability credentials to them in order to kind of try and attract um, those consumers who are particularly driven by by sustainability. And we know that that's an increasing percentage of the population. Um, I think talk about your journey as much as possible. Talk about what you're doing with your employees. Encourage them to take actions and come up with ideas in the workplace, but also at home. Um, Talk to your supply chain. Talk to your customers, because that is going to be really important in building this momentum where we all we've all seen the kind of discussion about single-use plastics over the past few years and a huge amount of that was driven by that kind of momentum that it very quickly became an issue um almost you know almost out of nowhere it suddenly became the topic everybody was talking about and businesses all over were making big changes and small from you know making significant changes around packaging to you know not not using plastic straws it's it's that momentum was what really kicked the change in I would say sign up to the UNCTAD pledge um, that you spoke to Andrew Bryson about I think that is really important again in showing that you are committed and taking that step in the right direction and you can make the uh, commitment on the UK business climate hub um you know create think creatively about what you can be doing in your business it's not just about switching energy providers or you know are you going to be putting in a ground source or air source heat pump um it's not just those things it's about your supply chain as well and do you understand the carbon um, impact of your whole supply chain and then yeah i think Try and use that, are you being a good ancestor to frame your thinking? I think that that really does help to switch how you're thinking about things. And and don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. 
if you are making steps in the right direction, then that is great and celebrate that. Um, because I think, I think we shouldn't always, it has been an incredibly difficult year for business. So if you can do anything in this journey, I think celebrate that and, and give yourself a pat on the back. Absolutely. Echo those thoughts completely. And I think that's a, a really positive note um, to um, end on as well, um, Fiona. So thank you very much indeed for your time and your input um, on today's show. And how can our listeners find out a little bit more about you and uh, the IFB? You can find out more about us um, on our website, which is www.ifb.org.uk. Um, we're on Twitter at IFB underscore UK. Um, yeah, and you will be able to find various links to other things I've mentioned on there or in the show notes today. Absolutely. And um, again, thank you very much indeed. It's been a, a really enjoyable discussion about a really important subject and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.